The following is a member of the Burke Reviews podcast family. BurkeReviews.com Top five movies. Movies. Top five. Top five movies. Top five. Top five movies. Top five. Top five. Top five movies. Top five movies. Hey everybody, welcome to Top Five Movies. I'm John Burke, and with me this week is Corey Starr. Hello, hello. And Michael Sanchez. Bonsoir. Oh, I don't even know what oh. that means. <laughs> We're in culture um, swine. Yeah. <laughs> I went with the French <laughs> since I got razzed for my horrible French accent oh. last week. I, had a, I, I literally had a student tell me that I dis- disgusted them because of that. I said, oh. well, well, they I don't think they truly were. Well, I would I would like to think I wasn't disgusting. I think it was just I'd explain what the whole thing was. So, I yeah. will avoid any horrible French Oh, I was about to do it just now. Any horrible <laughs> French accents? Hence <coughs> bonsoir. Well, um this week's episode of Top 5 Movies, we're going to be doing our top 5 pop culture references. Um, in honor of the release of Ready Player One, the new Steven Spielberg film that comes out uh, technically Thursday this week, because I think it's Good Friday on Friday, so they've moved the date up a day. Um, I'm not sure if that's the reason, but it is coming out officially on Thursday, which means that they will have a pre-screening on Wednesday evening. So if you usually go to the movie the night before, um, Wednesday night we'll have pre-screenings of Ready Player One since the official release date is Thursday. So uh, that is my plan. I'm planning on hitting that up on uh, Wednesday evening. Um, do I'm, you guys have any interest in that movie? I'm I'm torn. I'm going. I've gone back and forth. So I'm gonna. I don't know. Yes and no. I'm it, at this point. I'm curious. I feel like it's Spielberg, and I should, but I don't. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Watching a movie that's I don't know. Well. The movie, I, I've not read the book, but I have a, a close friend um, uh, who has read the book um, and is a big fan of the franchise, even though I've heard mixed things about the book. It is nostalgia heavy. That is its selling point, is it's going to appeal to, um, basically, if you like pop cultural things, and that's why this list made sense to do now, because, you know, this movie's coming out that, uh, if you've seen the trailer, you see the DeLorean, um, you see the Iron Giant, uh there is a, a silhouette of Deathstroke and Harley Quinn, I believe, at one point. Freddy Krueger, I think, is in it at one point. Like, there's a lot of pop cultural references, and they had to do a lot to get licensing in order to uh, achieve this film. And that in and of itself is kind of impressive. Um, you know, just the the sheer amount of properties that are being on that are on display in the trailer alone um, showcases like how much had to go into the pre-production of this movie to even you know get it to move forward you know that's not i didn't think about that yeah the kind of negotiations that would have had to take place of course it's a lot of free marketing for all those different properties too and mm-hmm. uh, I, there were i won't i don't want to talk too much about what i introduced to a couple of my students but i i made a point and before we even started paying it to pay attention to all the product placement and mm. you know a lot of them aren't really they weren't really aware about you know, yeah. we we had that conversation with Wayne's World because it was so obvious, but and the and it'll come up later. And the reason I'm not bringing it up is because for reason I have reasons. Got it. But 
it's very blatant and, and it's kind of funny and they're like oh and how perfectly placed the labels are and this is something mm-hmm. one of the a film I love so it's so weird to pick up on that well um that is our our motivation now we don't always define rules for our list so our list could be very different depending on how we interpret pop cultural references um and I don't know that um, sometimes our list have tons of surprises. Uh, this list was challenging. It's one of the first lists that I've tried to make where I couldn't find research per se. Like there are lists out there, but they're very, very specific. Um, and I, so I ended up having to just kind of in my head try to think back to uh, things that I like that other movies have talked about. That was how I kind of approached my list. I don't know how you guys fared. I know Corey struggled because she messaged me really late last night that she was struggling. <laughs> I'm sorry, I always forget that there's a two-hour time difference. Well, not that I forget, but if it says oh, you're active, so I'm messaging she, you. She did well, it intentionally. I <laughs> had... I also had a really hard time with this because I didn't know exactly... Like, and a few of mine are kind of in the background in the movie, sorry. Um, but, like... I just really had a hard time because, hmm, I don't even, I always go to my movie wall and, you know, look through there to kind of help jog my memory and that wasn't even really helping. So, but then as soon as we talked and you gave me some examples, but I didn't use those. I don't ever, when we talk about things, I don't ever use the examples you guys give to me, but it like really helped. Well, I'm glad I could, because I, I struggled still too. I mean, I have a lot. Like, I do what I always do. I, I create, like, a massive list, and then I kind of pick my the ones that I feel like are worthy of being on my top five. And mm-hmm. um, I'm not sure, like, you know, in the honorable mentions, I'm probably just going to list a bunch of stuff. I don't know. Um, I don't know if my list is, like, would hold up in a week. You know what I mean? Like, it, this is definitely a fluid list because there are things I forgot for sure. I'm sure Mike is going to say a couple that I'm like, oh, my goodness. I totally would have thought of that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but... Nonetheless, um, I, I found the list fun, though, at the same time, uh, especially because it was so open, because I am curious, like, I hope my definition of pop culture reference is good enough, you know what I mean? Like, because it's, it's a kind of what defines an item as a pop cultural icon or an item that's being discussed is very subjective, it seems, so. Ooh, I mean, I'm just thinking about there's a couple of instagrams i think one story temps and one story templates and uh, one was recently favorite songs which that mm-hmm. it, like you said it can be very fluid but there are some that don't ever leave that list and i know one was certain elements of harry potter and i just went with hermione granger as a favorite character until i started watching deathly hallows part one again this morning part of it and i realized how could i have left off luna lovegood I love Luna. Uh huh. And she technically would easily have trumped Hermione Granger for me had I sat and thought about it, and I didn't. So, it, you know, you're right. This list. There's could... so much. Right. Well, and pop culture. You're, there weren't just doing a cursory search on Google. Just one of the you know mm-hmm. doing what we tell students not to do uh, is wasn't very. Helpful. helpful. Not at all this time. Oh, it was very so. No, this... I can't. Go ahead, sorry. Uh, well, you normally list like a number one pick's gonna write itself, and this one didn't. It had to. I, I have a random snap person who works at a movie theater who's 
I, I explained I explained what it was, and they they were kind of prompting me and gave me some suggestions, and which I didn't take except for one slightly, but not in the way they wanted. But other than that, I was on my own, and yeah, I, you know, I haven't sent you guys any chats or anything. Sorry, no. I was going to say, like, when I was trying to Google, too, it was, like, movies that are considered pop culture yes. is what I kept finding. And it's like, I don't yes. want to know what's considered pop culture, guys. I've got that. But, yeah. So, yeah, it not was that like, we're stealing anyone's lists. No, we just but need help brainstorming. I definitely, like, I and I've referenced a specific list. Like, I've talked about mm-hmm. Watch Mojo because they do top five or top ten all the time on YouTube. And I've, I've never followed their list completely, but I've definitely had movies that are on their list show up in my list. And sometimes that's just because they are watching similar movies because they generally are referencing big name movies. And that's usually where if you look at my past viewing history, that's where it was the most. I watched the big blockbusters that everybody knew about. Now, I would say I'm a little more I'm still heavy on the blockbusters, but I do see I seek out indie film and things like that that I didn't used to. Um, But they're not always fresh in my mind because I've seen those big blockbuster movies I've seen dozens of times where... A lot of these, basically, if I've watched it in the last two years, I've probably only seen it once, you know, compared <laughs> with a few exceptions. But um, I've been so much more about seeing a wider pool of movies that I haven't rewatched them. So when you're trying to think of something so specific as a reference in a movie, unless it's stuck in my brain, it's not going to come to me. But movies that I've seen over and over and over again, those scenes came to me a lot easier. Um which makes sense, but at the same time, it does make my list not as diverse of a selection as I would have preferred. But, you know what? I still like my list. I'm pretty happy with it overall. And also the way that you come to, like, getting, because you mostly make up the top five topics, mm-hmm. like, a lot of those are usually referencing a movie or inspired by a movie that's coming out that's, yep. you know, so. In the zeitgeist, that's something big and, and you know, like, Ready Player One, Steven Spielberg premiered it at South by Southwest and was very explicit in saying this is a movie, not a film. Like, this this is meant to be fun. Don't It's not going to try to change the world. It's not going to be revolutionary, but it's a movie. And he, he, he's framing it that way so that the critics will hopefully, you know, not compare it to Munich or Schindler's List. And that <laughs> guy's already know. <laughs> so. uh, yeah. But what critic really... Would. I mean, it doesn't make sense. Well, they were already starting to bash this movie because it's so nostalgia heavy that I think a lot of uh, critics were going to kind of bash on that. But I think with that, that, you know, I don't know. It's weird because I'm hearing more and more directors try to frame the movie uh, like as to like how you should be watching it, which wasn't the case for many years where like you would just figure it out yourself. You know, you're watching it. What lens should I have while I watch this film? But I've heard more and more directors kind of coming in and saying things like that, where it's just like, Hey, this was my intention. Don't, don't assume that I'm trying to like, you know, change. I mean, even if you look at Spielberg's last film, which was just a few months ago, the post, which was made in a rush and made to, um, clearly be like a counterpoint to trump's you know fake news and and now a few months later we have ready player one coming out that does have a like government conspiracy thing i don't know if you've seen the recent trailers but there is like this whole conspiracy of the government trying to manipulate the population and things like that Hmm. um that 
I think maybe is why he's wanting that. To, like, like it does have this political political element, but it's not it's not meant to be a um, you know stand in for our situation necessarily. I, maybe, and I'm I'm simply speculating based on what he meant when he you know emphasized that this is a movie. Like, really use those exact words. I believe was this is a movie, and it was clear that he was saying it's not a film. Because those terms, while they are technically interchangeable, uh, film usually carries a certain gravitas to it that movies don't. It's, I guess it's probably good that he sets that out there. But honestly, for me, it's well. All right, let's take Pacific Rim, and you know, you saw how I just—I was tongue in cheek described it because I didn't hate it. But I didn't love it. I felt like I loved the first one. First one's a, a better film, for sure. And the second one, I'm like, oh, this seems so familiar. I, I kept having Starship Troopers flashbacks, and I don't want to go too far off on a tangent, but there's definitely a... De- you can see where Guillermo del Toro wasn't involved. Yes. Uh, I still had fun with the new one, though. Um, I'm In fact, I'm wearing my loot wear shirt right now for Pacific Rim Uprising. Um, oh, I, I am not tonight. I, I really liked that movie. I, I think it's got tons of flaws, but I had a good time with it. And I, I it did exactly what I wanted. I wanted to see giant robots fighting monsters, and I wanted it to be visible, something that I think the Transformer movies generally fail is, like, the scenes are shot mm-hmm. so tight, and it's so chaotic, you can't really see the fighting. Um, I felt like they, they, the way it was framed and everything, and I don't know, I didn't have any issues with CG. I've seen a lot of people bash the CG in it. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. I... I'm like the fights in the the epic fight in Black Panther looked worse, and so did the uh, initial fight scene in Thor Ragnarok looked worse CG than anything in Pacific Rim Uprising. So I don't know what their issues were, but um, well, yeah. I hate I hate that her name ex- escapes me, but I, I I thought she was great. The, the, the young girl, yeah, agreed. She held yeah. her own against John Boyega, and um, he was big in this movie and great. Like I really liked him a lot. I. I it definitely reminded me a, li- a little bit of Attack on, uh, attack on the... Uh, you know what I mean? Uh, attack the Block. Oh, yeah. Uh, it, I'm like, oh, yeah. Because he... Having seen that, I'm like, yeah, he's going to go somewhere, and I get a feeling she will, too. Uh, I don't know so much about the other Rangers. No, not so much. But she was good. And that's they, were, they played off each other very well, I thought. Yes. But this is not a review of Pacific Rim, so let's get into our top five list. Um... Before we do that, Corey? Guys, go to BerkReviews.com and check out our list. Otherwise, full steam ahead. We might ruin these movies for you. Spoiler warning. And this week, Mike's going to go first. I'm going to go second. And Corey will uh, go third. But before we do that, Corey and I need to wager. Oh, that's right. It's back. How many of Mike's... And how are we going to do this? Because this... It's going to be... No, it's different. Well, let's, let's... should I'll it just be which of your how many of your movies that we've watched like usual? Yeah, I that, think so. That'd be go. Okay, okay. You can go first, John. Oh, okay. Um, well, you are in the lead at the moment because you. Oh, well, technically you didn't win, but Craig did for you. Thank um, you, Craig. I will say, I have seen two of Mike's movies. Dang it! I was gonna say two. I'm gonna go with one. Oh, Sorry, Lavallon. Okay see what happens I, you know what i always get low balled i feel like because <laughs> you undercut undercutters pizza you have very different tastes i think that yeah, but this maybe is both a, of us that's this true is, 
when you well, uh, this could go in so many directions. Well, what? Let's start us off, Mike. What's your number five? All right. So this particular pick, I will say that I picked this reference over the alien reference near the end of the. Film. That kind of gives you a hint of where I'm going with this, and I'll explain. Hmm. Uh, I, I need to name my pick before we. Um, Pizza the Hut from 1997 Spaceballs. And, okay, so I, I figured the alien references. It did. Was gonna get, and, that, and that was my original pick. That was the one I was going to go to. We've talked about it before. It's great. I love it. The whole the whole part, you know, and at the, like, <laughs> the kicking and dancing alien with the top hat and cane, and then they realized they ordered what they ordered again and whatnot. And they even got um, John Hurt as well in it, and that's great. Yep. But all right, so let's talk about that because parody and spoof picks would have made this list really easy to pop. Yeah, pop I never even <laughs> thought about using that, and that's man, good call. And, well, it's just it's too easy. And so, with that said, I made I made a limitation on myself, and this is my only one on my list. This one, uh, so Pizza the Hut, and to me, and having just mentioned product placement, it seemed like a the very deliberate product placement kind of deal. It really does. Definitely, yeah, totally. However, however, to kind of go further with it it's more of a subtle insult because think of how horrendously revolting the pizza hut pizza the hut character is i mean it's pretty gross yeah so for me the way i'm interpreting is mel brooks is kind of giving pizza the hut the just i'll do air quotes insert the ultimate physical insult of choice to the actual pizza hut franchise because he's basically saying Mm. pizza hut is disgusting yeah that's true and so, and and it, I mean, they got away with it. I mean, what else were they gonna do? They were, were any publicity is good publicity, I suppose. Mm-hmm. And so, there's my number five pick: Pizza the Hut and Spaceballs. And he does have the whole jab at marketing with um, yogurt too, um, <laughs> where like the, you know, it's all the like it's basically really picking at Star Wars and all the marketing. Oh yeah, do, oh, which of course, yeah. ironically, is all the worse now. Um, than it was in the 80s like the amount of star wars uh marketing before the new movies is so ridiculously over the top but um but yeah that's that's a really cool pick and it's an interesting one because it is uh pizza the hut pizza hut um yeah good reference and it's i mean even technically the whole movie is a reference to star wars which is a pop cultural phenomenon so um tons of what tons of areas in this movie you could have pulled like you said you could have made your whole top five list your best spot pop culture references in Spaceballs, but <laughs> yeah yeah easily uh and i have seen this so that's one already right out of the game out of mark korea i haven't seen this really <laughs> last <laughs> miss. what I, i'm only missing like one or two mel brooks films on oh. my list so i've seen okay. most of his sacre blue um but all right, well, uh, I I like Spaceballs. I think it holds up. A lot of people hate uh, Spaceballs. I actually am a fan of both of his last two movies, Spaceballs and Robin Hood Men in Tights. I like both of them. I find both to be very funny, and um, I love Carrie Ellis and and Dave Chappelle in um, oh he's Men, so, Men yes. in Tights. Yes, but, I forgot he was in it. Yeah, yeah, man, he's probably my favorite part actually of that movie, and, but. Since it's still my turn, speaking of people we forgot, I just was happened to be watching Raising Cain because I've got like four homework assignments. This list I had to get made, and I did not know that Gabrielle Carteris from 90210 was in Raising Cain. Hmm. Yes, I did that too. Okay. 
All right. Well, I guess that comes to me then. And my number five is from a 2017 movie, actually, uh, that I don't think a lot of people saw, but Ingrid Goes West, um, starring Aubrey Plaza, Elizabeth Olsen, uh, O'Shea Jackson Jr., Wyatt Russell, and Billy Magnuson. And O'Shea Jackson Jr. is the character I'm going to focus on because I can't have a list involving pop cultural references unless I have somebody talking about Batman in a movie that's not Batman, and it's this movie. O'Shea Jackson Jr. is a uh, screenwriter wannabe who is obsessed with Batman. Um, and it's there's so many different scenes in the film, but I just love every one of them. But I think the one that has to get talked about is he gets an opportunity to uh, get sexually active with Aubrey Plaza's character, Ingrid. And he makes her dress up He makes her dress up as Catwoman. So, <laughs> oh, my. And so... Uh, yeah, what what more direct pop cultural reference could you get than making the girl that you're trying to hook up with dress up as the iconic Selena Kyle? So, um, Ingrid Goes West is my number five pick. Uh, as uh, specifically O'Shea Jackson Jr.'s character Dan Pinto, who is obsessed with the man in the cowl. Okay, um, can I go to mine? I guess, because neither of you saw Ingrid Goes West, I take it, right? No, yeah. I really want to. Oh, I love Aubrey Plaza, but I don't like Elizabeth, Elizabeth Olsen. Olsen. But hey, she yeah. was pretty good in uh, Wind River, as you admitted. So, you know, There were asterisks to that, that it wasn't a very complex character, but I should probably check it out anyway. To be fair, this one is, it's, the she's same. playing a fake, like, Instagram model. You know what I mean by fake, like, personality-wise? Like, she acts, like, real pleasant, but she really doesn't have... A personality uh. per se so i think mm-hmm. it fits in that same type of role although i think she does a really good job in the character okay but all right so yeah i guess we're up to you Corey. number five okay my number five is also from 2017 and all three of us have seen it and i hope that everyone that is listening to this podcast saw it um it's from it oh so there are lots of movie posters in richie's room there's a gremlins and i was forgetting oh, nice i was forgetting <gasps> like the other movie posters but they're in their bedrooms there are multiple movie posters but my favorite part is when beverly yes yes sees the new kids on the block poster in ben's room <laughs> because i don't talk about my age but i grew up on new kids on the block and i love new kids on the block so much and if i could see them now i would but i just love it so much and i love that she's such a little such a little sweetie she's gonna keep it secret I love how she reveals it, too, that she opens the door <laughs> and just kind of looks at him, and then, you know, he's, like, panicked. I love that so much. Yeah, good call. God, that's I a really would, good pull. I would have figured you would have mentioned the interaction between them back and forth using New Kids ty- song titles. Yeah, the song title yes. references is great. That little conversation, I, th- there was, th- man, they were great. Please don't go, girl. That's also a song. <laughs> Oh man, yeah, good call. I need to watch it again. I need to buy it. I, I'm very, uh, I'm a little disappointed that that didn't pop in my head because that was one of my favorite moments I think in movies last year. I love the New Kids on the Block jokes with him because I thought it was, you know, it hit that nostalgia button and so even the movie posters that are in the background. Like I also liked those when I was watching it. Um, 
that honestly the hardest thing for this list was not including stranger things because it's not a movie but like i know but doesn't it like hit everything that we freaking love i mean ghostbusters in season two they're in ghostbuster costumes dressed up as them i love it so yeah it was hard not to just i'm like man i could just do this list on stranger things references but that would not be top five movies that would be top five tv shows and we don't do that so um that that's a good poll for sure Corey. uh I think, unless, Mike, you have anything you want to add to the It conversation, we can move to I, your number four. I just, I, it's it's great. I do like when they joke back and forth. That was my favorite part. But that little, all, overall, that whole interaction with all of them, it did give me feels of Stranger Things. That's as close as you're going to get on this podcast. So, Agreed. All right, all so right. we're going to move into mine. Move into yours. All right. All right, so this pick is a particularly tricky one because the subject matter is not anywhere near less than a hard R rating. I'll give it a go, but I cannot go into heavy detail because we want to keep our non-explicit rating. So it's uh, 1992's caper film. Uh, I'm calling it a caper film. Quentin Tarantino's Reservoir Dogs. Ah, yes. And it's a caper film that's quite unlike any other. It's packed with profanity, violence, and you know, the stuff that criminals are want to do that we just probably didn't see in other caper films in the past. This particular, because knowing Quentin Tarantino, he has a penchant for picking different, uh, as far as casting and little, little references, but this one I feel stands out. It could have been at a higher place, but you'll see kind of where I go with this. Um, is the whole conversation regarding the breakdown about Madonna's like yep, a virgin. Yep, I had that on my honorable mentions. <clears throat> okay, well, I mean, it's including a discussion on the idea. I mean, they also have that whole thing about leaving a tip, which is in pop culture, but that's, you know, they go back and forth, and they're... I can't even really... I mean, the song already is kind of... I'm surprised that even got any radio play, but sure enough, it did. Uh, but there we are. That's probably about as much as I can really say about... Because I can't even... I can't, I mean, I don't even know how to clean it up. I, I do have the bleep app on my phone if you want. <laughs> well, I mean, I I remembered that scene more for the uh, tips originally, um, like the tip conversation, you know, which is not a pop cultural reference. But I, I, taught, I, I showed this movie to my advanced film class with permission slips um, last year, and I had forgotten <laughs> about the Madonna conversation. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it was like, oh man, uh, yep, this is a lot tougher of a watch than I remembered um, because apparently, of the, the dialogue. Apparently you need the bleep up on your phone. It would have been beneficial that day. But um, again, permission slips were included. But true, uh, true. I had that on my honorable mentions too because it is, um, I mean, and Tarantino's the one really talking about it in the movie. You know, it's Mr. Brown is the one uh, yes. mainly focusing on this, you know, nah, man, this is what the she's saying. And it's like, it's oh. about a machine that, yeah. <laughs> um, and then the other bit too, I like that little bit. And I think it was between Mr. Bond and Harvey Keitel. Again, not a pop culture reference, but uh, where he's pretending to shoot him. And that whole little line, I like it. I like to use it every once in a while. You shoot me in your dreams. You better wake up and apologize. Yeah. And just um, that thing. What is it? 92, 20, 26 years, almost go, just over two decades, getting ready to hit three decades, still holds up to me. Oh, yeah, I still like the movie. I, I don't think it's his best movie, but it's it's definitely, I mean... Well, without it, I, though, we wouldn't have the rest, and yeah. Oh, yeah. No, yeah, for sure. And I, I still think there's some great stuff in it, for sure. Um, 
even if it doesn't hold up to be as like miraculous of a film as like Pulp Fiction or or even um you know I like Hateful Eight a lot. Django was great and Glorious. I mean, like you said, they're all great in some degree. So, well, um, I mean, if I were a filmmaker, to have this be my first film, I'd be yeah. like, whoa, okay, so exactly. Um, I agree completely on that. And I've seen that movie too, Corey. Just putting that out there. Oh man! But I, I got it down. And you've seen this one, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we both have hit our quota. So now it's just to see who's seen the most. Well, you'll probably win, but because <laughs> you know what I mean. If I don't get any more, we'll see how it goes. If the one Mike was alluding to earlier is on the list, I think we've both seen that one as well. So. Oh, I can't um, remember what I was alluding to now. Well, we'll save it for you know, your list. Um, do you have anything to add to Reservoir Dogs, Corey? No, I really like that movie. Um, and I forget that that's his first film. I feel like if that were me, I would have probably just stopped there. Because where else? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it, where do I go from here? But thankfully he hasn't. I mean, it is his directorial debut. He did write... Um, True Romance before Reservoir Dogs, but he didn't oh direct. word, and uh, also um, he has a credit on Natural Born Killers. Yep. Well, reduce the story because Oliver Stone, Oliver Stone did so. Yeah, he he made it his own as he would do. Um, all right, well, my next one, I'm going back only another year. I'm going to 2016, and this is a, a movie that, of course, you're going to have tons of pop cultural references because the character likes to break the fourth wall, and I'm going oh. to <laughs> Deadpool. Um, Deadpool. Uh, and the, the reference that I have to talk about is one of my favorite moments. It's actually, there's two, but it's when he, he talks crap about himself as Green Lantern. Um, one, (laughs) there is a, uh, Green Lantern action figure in his apartment when they're going through the montage. Um, and then later when he's, uh, going through the procedures, he says, don't, uh, please don't make the super suit green. Um, so two direct references to his role as Green Lantern in a very comical way um, that immediately popped in my head when I was thinking about pop culture references because just having Green Lantern in the movie would have been funny, but the fact that he is aware of that because the character is aware of the real world as well as like the fictional world um, allows for that joke to really work on multiple layers, uh, more so than it would have in any other film. So I thought those two Green Lantern references were great, and plus Ryan Reynolds is such a good sport about it and I mean, I could even have picked that they referenced the previous film, the X Men Origins, um, as they ruined Deadpool in that movie, and uh, they they reference that at least once or twice. They have that action figure um, in the in the movie as well. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, this isn't a parody film, so it doesn't count for that. There's so much no dead. So, yep, yep, yep. And it's the beauty of having a character that's aware of the real world. Because pop culture just plays right into that, you know, because he's going to and it makes sense that he knows about us because he's aware of us. He knows we're watching him. Um, not something you get from many other superhero movies. Well, I had students ask me, can we show that in school? I said, no. Oh, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> Can't even watch the trailer in school. <laughs> I said, like, no. I said, not even with my bleep app because uh, the kids were the impetus for my bleep app. Ah. <laughs> all right well that's my number four Corey. um what do you got okay my number four is from a recent movie club movie oh that i don't think either of us had ever seen before i hope 
Um, but anyway, it's Sleepless in Seattle. Ah, correct. And like the whole movie, um, he's sitting, is it his sister? They're sitting at the table and the movie is playing and she's, or she's like talking about what a great movie it is. And, you know, then when he finally gets to meet, now I'm forgetting McGrien's character at the end, they meet at the top of the building on Valentine's Day. Um, everything in the movie is referencing an affair to remember. And I just switched my number four. So that's what you get. Oh, you switched it. I did. On the fly. I did, because I've already mentioned my number four that I had listed, so it's going to be an honorable mention now. Okay. All right. I can deal with that. Okay. Well, well, Sleepless in Seattle, yeah, I mean, the the premise is the reference to that movie that I also have never seen. Um, I've never seen any to remember, so. (laughs) No. But they tell you that in the movie, so it's not like you had to know it to get the reference, so. But yeah. Mm -mm. Um, Interesting pick. All right. What what made you uh, pop that into your head now? Um, I had it listed as an um, I had it listed as one of my honorable mentions, and ah. I have a couple of things on my list I've already mentioned, so I switched one of those to an honorable mention and just switched it out. Okay, that works. Oop. All right, Mikey, I think we're on to you, sir. Um, what's your number three? All right, so. Um... This one wasn't even on my radar, um, but I couldn't leave it out. So I let's refer back to the Snapchat kind of interaction I was having with someone, and they had mentioned Flash Gordon. And I can't remember how they were tying it into a pop culture reference. Like I was thinking maybe Queen, the use of – anyway, what, whatever. And I'm like – she didn't even mention this. They didn't even mention this. So I immediately jumped ahead to 2012's Ted. Because mm. going into it, I was not sure what I was getting other than a stuffed talking, uh, what is it, Snuggle? I don't know the name. It's like man. a Teddy Ruxpin type yeah, of doll. Yeah, Teddy Ruxpin, but it kind of looks like the little one from the dryer sheets commercial. Yeah, oh, Snuggle. Oh, Snuggle Bear. Snuggle, okay, so it is Snuggle. I don't know. I'm I'm bad at product placement. I had one of those. So I did not. So, um, and so with that said, the last thing I would have expected to see or person last thing I didn't call him a thing person I would have expected to see appear in film was Sam J. Jones reply you know as himself but ultimately being the Flash Gordon for Ted and and it's just there he was as it was the last cameo I would have ever expected to meet and a pleasantly surprising one because I remember seeing that at the theater and I just was blown away because that's that's reaching and so, but of course, though, it is Seth MacFarlane, so that shouldn't surprise me that he would dive in there. But just the fact that he, you know, got him and got him to make, kind of make fun of him. So, you know, he looked like, everybody looked like they were having a good time. So that that's the other It did. Part. It did. And that, like, I I didn't see Flash Gordon. I don't think I've seen it. I, I know of it. I don't think I've ever watched it. Um, but in the, when I was watching Ted, like, I was aware enough to get why it was funny. You know what I mean? Like, to get the references and... Um, yeah, that, that movie's bad, but good. Like, there's some really funny parts in Ted. Um, yeah. You gotta like McFarlane's style, though, to take anything that Ted is, uh, and enjoy it. You know what I mean? Like, and I I generally have liked a lot of his stuff, so. Uh, Corey, have you seen Ted? I have not. Yeah, I'm winning. (laughs) I'm winning. John's winning. I'm three for three right now. (laughs) Yeah. I'm one for three. Yep, yep. Um, so, 
Uh, you have nothing to add about Ted. Um, also, though, I would like to point out Ryan Reynolds shows up in Ted um, in a funny way, too. If I'm pretty sure it's the first Ted that he's in that uh, he ends up as um, Robert Warburton, or not Patrick Warburton, excuse me, Patrick Warburton's uh, like secret boyfriend of sorts, um, implying that Ryan Reynolds is gay, because like, he's playing himself, and it's hilarious. <laughs> um, yeah, and again, so good sports, like in all in all, like the, everyone that's in that movie seems to be having a good time being in the movie. So, uh, um, with that, I think I'll lead into my number three. Do it. All right. So I'm a big fan of this movie, and I feel like it's not appreciated enough. Um, it's Paul Rudd and Sean William Scott starring in Role Models. Um, I still need to see this. This movie is so funny. Uh, it has also, I'd like to, this cast is ridiculous. Because you have Elizabeth Banks, Christopher Mintz-Platsky, um, Bobby J. Thompson, who you might recognize from like the old PS2 or PS3 commercials. Uh, Jane Lynch, Ken Jeong is in it, Ken Marino, Carrie Kenny. Um, and those are like your big names. And you have Jolo Trujillo, who's on um, uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Matt Walsh is in this. Like, they're not all major characters. But they all have some role in it, but... Sean William Scott and Paul Rudd are so funny in this movie, and they get paired up with Christopher Mintz-Plasky and Bobby J. Thompson, and because um, they end up in uh, like a court-ordered Big Brother program called uh, Wings. And <laughs> what, could, what could go wrong? <laughs> right. Yeah. So um, they they have to uh, they both take a kid now. Uh, Christopher Mintz-Plasky is like a high school age kid, but he's a LARPer. He's like real nerdy. And um, the other kid, uh, Bobby J. Thompson, is a much younger kid, but he has a potty mouth. Like, he curses a lot. Um, and he says, oh, God, him and Wheeler. Uh, Wheeler is Sean William Scott's character. Paul Rudd plays Danny. Um, Sean William Scott's character is kind of like a, you know, hippie, very content with everything that's happening. Hippie's not right. I'm trying to think of a good word for him. Kind of comes off as a stoner, but not a stoner. Like, he doesn't, you never see him smoke pot, but he kind of has that, like, laid back kind of attitude about everything. Like a um, hipster? Not quite, but maybe. He kind of feels like a high school jock who is content with where his life has ended up. You know what I mean? Like, he's still kind of living like a like college frat guy, even though he's out of college. Uh, or more likely, beat. yeah, more likely he never went to college. You know what I mean? Like, uh, but he could have. He would have fit in really well. And then Paul Rudd is very cynical and kind of miserable with his station in life because he expected to do more and he's not. Um, and so he gets paired with Christopher Mintz-Plasky. But the reference, the pop culture reference, is Sean William Scott's character, Wheeler, is obsessed with Kiss, the band Kiss. Aww. And um, he has, like, a Kiss pinball machine in his house and, like, Kiss memorabilia all over the place. And he gets um, uh, uh, his his little as they call him ronnie into kiss by playing the song love gun and you know explains to him that love gun is his penis and i can't um, oh, oh my and so but they all end up having to to larp later in the film and they larp as kiss characters they all dress up as the different uh characters of kiss and go into this medieval battle dressed up as the uh oh my God knights and satan's service if you want to go with the uh, the old political <laughs> uh, references to kiss so um i i love that scene it's so funny i love this movie i cannot stress enough this is a hilarious comedy um from 2008 that i feel like got slept on 
Um, you know, because Sean William Scott does get he has he's taken some crap movies, and he's most known as Stifler from American Pie, and he was a you know a B character at best in the American Pie franchise. Like he does as the franchise kept going, he became more prominent. But in the first film, he's a back character. You know, he's he's just a butt of jokes. Um, and this movie, I think, is like, he's cast perfectly, and Paul Rudd is kind of playing against type because he's kind of a jerk for a large part of the film which is not usually how Paul Rudd uh, plays a character, but man, he has some of the funniest stuff. I don't know. I am a big proponent for this film. Every time I see it, I have to watch it. I, I find it, it's one of the, to me, it's one of the best comedies in the last 15 years, like easily. That has been, and it has a 61 Metacritic, just to throw that out there. For a comedy, that's pretty good. Um, you don't see comedies getting that high of a Metascore very often. So, um, yeah, uh, that's Role Models from 2008, and the love gun kiss sequence um, <laughs> in the movie. Uh, I'll be honest. I haven't watched that one. And Sean William Scott's always going to be stifler to me. The yep. Paul thing reminds me of MST3K. When Paul, you was a jerk. There's a whole <laughs> lot about that. So um, uh, I don't know that I would watch it. And I am seriously reconsidering my number one pick now. You need to rewatch. No, you need to watch role models. There's a there's two scenes with Jane Lynch because she runs Wings, the, uh, the, uh, the 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 like the um, Big Brother like service or whatever, and she's she's constantly trying to like catch them that like usurping their re- responsibilities, and I can't say it because again we try to keep this episode uh, <laughs> clean, but the lines are so funny, and more importantly, the what she says to them is funny, but then their reactions to it is so great and it's uh their chemistry together paul rudd and we uh and sean william scott is is fantastic so um, i wonder why they haven't had more films together i don't know maybe they didn't actually like each other but it in the movie because there's a little tension between them but that tension's ultimately resolved and it's resolved in a very oh god it's so good it's so so fun um and you know christopher mintz platsky is uh most most known as McLovin from Superbad, but he's also uh, Red Mist in the Kickass movies. Um, and ooh, you said a bleep word, but it's it's okay because it's the name of a movie. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I I'll stop. Uh, I'll get off my soapbox about this movie. But I really highly recommend everyone give this a chance. But you will need your bleep box because there's a lot of cursing. <laughs> uh, one of mine. She's very. She's great. But she'll look at me, raise her pencil up. And she'll like they said a no no word. Like uh, I I bleep at that point. Oh man! <laughs> <laughs> I'm like they look at me, but it aren't. I'm like I'm doing it just because now. <laughs> All right, Corey, what's your number three? Okay, um, I have definitely talked about this movie before. Um, it's 2007's Juno, and I ah. hate that it's mark that talks about them because he's such a jerk but Ah. um when he's helping her and they're talking about bands and he is telling her she needs to check out sonic youth because i'm a big fan of sonic youth and i was very excited with the interview yesterday that he was like yeah i was just listening to some sonic youth and i was like what but um i feel like they don't ever they don't really get talked about and i know that they're never ever getting back together to quote taylor swift oh, but Jesus. um <laughs> wow well, the Talk two lead about... <laughs> way oh, different but i mean <laughs> they're not because they got divorced and they now hate each other but i just Aww. love them so much and i can't listen to thurston moore's music anymore because i think he's a jerk but um 
I just love them so much, and I don't think they get enough attention. And just that they were like dropped in this movie was pretty cool. Yeah, um, I love Juno. I'm not a Sonic Youth fan, but I do know that reference. Um, that's, that's definitely there's a few pop culture references I would imagine in that movie. Oh, they, they talk. Are, oh yeah, they talk about movies and um but although to be fair those movies are kind of obscure that's kind of the uh the, the point um i guess that's still technically a pop cultural it, i don't know if it's not popular it's not a pop cultural reference right it's an obscure reference uh, i would say for me i would say that that counts sonic youth sonic youth counts no yeah i totally think okay, that counts okay, okay. But, i was thinking like the movies and stuff the other things they talk about they're they're more like like the horror, like um, um, the gore. Oh, what is his mm. name? See, I'm forgetting too, and I'm like, Lou. Louis Gordon. Um, gosh, I should know it because he's like the father of modern uh, gore movies. Uh, I'll go sit in the corner and think about what I've done. All right, no problem. Um, in fact, actually, come back, Mike, because we need you to talk about your number two movie. <laughs> sure, oh. ever. Well, it. It's I'm, I'm stalling because I'm actually changing my number one, and so that comes in handy. So thankfully, uh, we'll have a few more moments to finish that up. So this smacks of Tarantino all over it, and for good reason. He actually did perform uncredited uh, script polishes on 1995's Crimson Tide. Uh, oh. If you're not aware with, of Crimson Tide, it's set in the. It's a scenario of the EXO facing off with the commanding officer of a submarine in the midst of a possible nuclear apocalypse. I mean, this is totally relevant at this point. Could be anyway. Tensions are at their highest, and two sailors have it out over who the better Silver Surfer artist is. So, <laughs> while both Jack Kirby and Mobius have wholly distinctive styles for the Silver Surfer and the artwork, there are definitely two camps to this, and never the twain shall meet. A reference that is, This reference is definitely only for the nerdiest of nerds, the comic bookiest of comic book readers it's just such a, it's such a tarantino touch to a really tense situation denzel washington has to you know he takes one of the cadets aside and not cadets but one of the sailors aside and you know they talk it out and they figure out and i'm not even going to tell you which one i think i might do this as a as a oh it's too late i, did, I already mentioned it uh, as a poll maybe i'll do it as a poll in a minute but it that's what i went to it's partially obscure but i mean silver surfer yeah sadly the election treatment was uh, so bad but but it was doug jones and lawrence fishburne as the voice you know but i I mean they didn't get galactus right and no they screwed galactus up horribly uh, so there we are uh 1995's crimson tide who threw the better silver surfer that's it's an interesting pull. I've not seen that movie, so the first one on your list I haven't seen. Man, um, I haven't either. But I, it's funny. I wouldn't have what? expected that in that movie. Um, nope, totally unexpected. And when it ha- happened, even in the theater, I was like, "What?" Because that just I didn't expect it. It it, it appealed to me. It was very me, even though I'm not a huge fan of the character. Well, I like it. I like it. Um, my my number two is kind of in a similar vein. Um, although it's more about a character talking about superheroes, uh, well, veins, and that is uh, Mallrats from 1995, uh, specifically. Oh boy. Uh, Brody talking to Stan Lee about oh. superhero genitalia. Um, <laughs> oh wow. Um, because it is hilarious. Because one, I, I as a kid, 
Um, I don't know. Kevin Smith's films, I think, were the first taste I had of movies talking about other things that I loved. You know what I mean? Like, where they, the characters were talking about stuff that I talked about with my friends. And I think that's why they connected with me so much and why I still love um, most of Kevin Smith's films, with the exception of Yoga Hosers, really. I, I find joy in almost all of his films. I've only seen Jersey Girl once, to be fair. So maybe that one doesn't doesn't apply, that- but... That one's uh, grown to me a whole lot more. I feel like my, it probably would for me too because now I am a father and things yep. like that. Yep. But and I didn't dislike it when I saw it. Like I definitely didn't think it was as bad as everyone had said. It was just a different movie for Smith. Well, um, now now we have a basis of we have a, a baseline to compare to, and that would be Yoga Hosers. So. Yes. <laughs> um, but I I love Mallrats still. Um, I still find great joy in this movie and. There's tons of pop cultural references in this movie. I could have referenced Sega Genesis, um, and I could, you know, go into the multiple comic book uh, moments when um, Jay does the uh, Wolverine's Berserker claw attack. You know, uh, there's so many different references that you could go with. Um, even the references to Tim Burton's Batman in Mallrats. You know, there's like at least two sequences that directly reference Tim Burton's Batman film, um, but. I went with the superhero genitalia because it's super funny. Um, I never would have, I don't think once in my life had I ever pondered the question about things, well, thing, and Brody does. And it's it's hilarious. It shows, like, his level of immaturity, and Stan Lee playing off of that is so hilarious as he constantly is trying to redirect Brody to love. And all Brody wants to talk about is superhero penises. So, Mallrats, 1995. Oh Written, directed by Kevin Smith, starring uh, Jason Lee and Stanley in this role, in fact. So, I haven't seen that in a long time. Oh well, that it's makes me it's uh, it's classic. It, I mean, it's weird to say that's classic because you know it's a cult it classic. <laughs> yeah, there we go. We'll go with that route. But it's one of the few Kevin Smith movies, and I don't know. I need to ask my wife why because that's one she likes, and I don't know why. I'm kind of curious that's one of the only ones hmm that is interesting um it might be it it plays more on the relationships like the female relationships but chasing amy does chasing amy does but chasing amy takes a i feel like maybe a high road with it like where it's taken the the relationship elements of chasing amy is very very dramatic um yeah and not that it's bad but i could see it not being fun um in fact for a long time chasing amy was my least favorite uh mm-hmm. pre-jersey girl kevin smith movie because it was <laughs> pre yoga hoser yeah because it was so serious compared to the others like there's humor in it for sure but the the story is is kind of sad at parts and as a kid i didn't like that now i appreciate the movie much more um than i did back then but but yeah i can i could see that being um maybe it's just the I don't know. There's Mallrats was it's still I think my favorite, and it it just connects with me on so many different levels. Um, but yeah, we I could talk Kevin Smith for a while, but let's not. Let's let's allow us to move on to Corey's number two. Okay, um, this is one of my favorite movies, and I've talked about it a lot. But this is why I had the conversation with you last night. If books and authors count, so mine is from Can't Hardly Wait. Oh. from 1998 and there is a lot that could be pulled from this one uh like barry manilow's song mandy yes um the title and the theme song i guess you could call it for the movie can't hardly wait as a replacements 
you know, it's a replacement song. Hmm. But I love Preston Myers, and when I saw this, when I was, oh, I was 13, I didn't appreciate this until I was a little older and I started reading Kurt Vonnegut, but when he leaves Amanda and he says that he's going away to college and he's going to a lecture by Kurt Vonnegut, and then I'm just like, and I love you even more, so. Oh, oh is that, oh, that's I got it, you. I got that's the, the reference. The reference yeah, that was, okay. yeah, that was just the Kurt Vonnegut, he loves him. Yep. And I wish I could have seen a lecture, or I wish that I was a little older and he could have done, like, one of my graduating, you know, speeches or something really cool, because he used to do that. But no. Well, I, um, I'm only familiar with Kurt Vonnegut because of my friend uh, that I mentioned earlier in the episode, but I didn't mention him by name then, but I will now. Ryan, who I do uh, hmm. Thinking About podcast with, he's a big, uh, well, he's a big hipster. And Kurt Vonnegut, to me is only relevant in the hipster mindset but i could be wrong maybe that's a literature thing and i'm just not a literary person but uh i've not read any of Vonnegut's stuff i know i know of him and that's about the gist of it i'm surprised you didn't have to read like slaughterhouse five or something in high school yeah no my english classes it seems like my english classes went off the grid with books because like people tell me all the time like oh i had to read this in high school i'm like really i didn't <laughs> like my uh, my classes must have been really bad. Like, <laughs> or I usually would skirt by without reading the, you know, assigned reading. But but see, I still remember books that I was supposed to read and didn't versus like not <laughs> being assigned a book. Like, um, I read nineteen eighty four. I remember reading Romeo and Juliet. I read Julius Caesar, um, in like sophomore year. Like, I remember th- those things, but I don't. I don't feel like one we ever we only read like a novel once a year. Uh, in the four years of English in high school. So I think I had a bad education, guys. Um, Oops. Yep. But luckily, you know, movies have made up for that. So <laughs> I didn't realize how old Can't Hardly Wait was. When you said 98, I was like, that's I, not right. Geez, I like, know. Gravy, it's... that is old. Hey, maybe they'll do like a 20th anniversary rescreening. We need to talk to Fathom Events. Yeah, well, Grease is going to be in theaters on April 8th, which I hate, but my wife loves. So I guess I'm going to see that. But... Good luck. <laughs> Um, <laughs> how could mm, I, I can't. Are you gonna ask how we could hate it? Yes, because it's uh, horrible. Yeah, I don't like anything about it. Wow. <laughs> I don't. I don't like the. I don't like the music, uh, which is the first thing that doesn't click for me. Um, and then I don't like. What if I don't you like the hit- characters? I'd rather watch The Outsiders. Okay, I, I can see that. What if you got a hickey from Kaniki? Nope, I'm I'm good. I don't like hickeys. when you you care enough to send the very best oh boy let's go to mike's number one (laughs) uh which is has been changed it wasn't this my notes and oh what so you did change it so i did change it you changed it so i want to change mine and it's more a much more me pick okay so this is my 11th hour replacement for my original pick which has now been sent down to the farm of unhonorable <laughs> mentions, or not dishonorable or unhonorable, but honorable mentions. In any case, um, it's from 1996's Mystery Science Theater 3000, the movie, which we've talked about before. Mm-hmm. And it has to do with our heroes, Cal Meacham and Ruth Adams, escaping the alien planet where Exeter, Doug Exeter as they call them, hails from Metaluna. Uh, there happens to be a shot of the planet's atmosphere, and then one of the bots blurts out, Ew, it's Michael Stipe's head! And <laughs> not only 
does it combine one of my favorite shows and movie and a reference to one of my favorite bands or at least the band's lead singer ever but just out of nowhere because it it kind of looked like his head and it was you know being destroyed pummeled and so yeah so uh, considering the two it's like this one should have been my auto number one pick and now it is it just wasn't automatically done. I, you'll, I'll explain my honorable mentions shortly, but there we are. Ew, it's Michael Stipe's head. <laughs> I still haven't seen the movie uh, of Mystery Science Theater 3000, and I really need to watch that um, as a big fan of the show. Um, and I've seen many, many episodes of the show. I still haven't even finished the most recent season, um, or The Return. Uh, I saw most of that, but I, ha- I still have a few episodes left to watch. But, um, yeah. I, uh, the Michael Stipe head cracks me up because I am a bald man, so <laughs> I relate. <laughs> All right, um, that goes. To, uh, Corey, do you have anything to add to the Michael Stipe pop culture I, reference? I do love Michael Stipe, but no. But not his head. You know, I mean, if you have to be bald. Well, you know, he's a a movie producer too. Like he's been yeah, actively producing films. Three hundred films uh, saved is part of his. That's where he did his duet with mm-hmm. Manny of God Only Knows, which I really love that duet. I don't know if I've heard that. I'm gonna have to listen to that. Um, which, by the way, I want to talk before we leave. I remind me to talk about a song um, before we end the podcast, but I don't want to. I don't want to do it just yet. So let's jump into my number one, and this was kind of my number one on the, immediately. And I don't usually have two movies by the same director. But, um, you know, there's a lot of reasons why I decided to have a second Kevin Smith film in my top five list. Um, one, I mentioned it with my number two pick with Mallrats that I think he, his films were the first ones that I remember like being so heavily invested in nerd culture. The stuff that I loved and a lot of times the world around me, you know, would make fun of us for loving was being talked about in his movies, you know. And so I had to pick the scene. It's Clerks. And it is the Death Star debate that (laughs) in the first movie, when the Death Star is blown up, it's just stormtroopers and the Empire. So no problems. But in Return of the Jedi, it was halfway done. So there was going to be likely contractors and stuff like that. And so, you know, they killed innocent people. And then you get the contractor who steps in and gives that great story about why, you know, you choose the jobs. You know the risks involved when you take a job working for uh, the evil Empire. And I love that debate. I think it kind of sets the bar for Kevin Smith's style of uh, dialogue. I mean, there's so many, just in Clerks alone, there's so many references. I thought about using the salsa shark when he, he makes the reference to Jaws there. And I mean, there, there's so many moments in that movie that are pop culture references. And in fact, I could use more scenes from Mallrats. I could go to Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back for tons of references. I mean, there's the, you know, Goodwill Hunting, Scream, like it's left and right in that movie. Um, and Clerks 2 has several references uh, that I could pull. Um, but when I think of uh, scenes, again, hearing characters talk about Star Wars, because that conversation, that debate, the level of, of seriousness that they approach that debate, it's not just like a joke. It's them being very genuinely debating this this idea. And that felt so familiar to me with my friend group that um, – it's always stood out and I think it's one of the reasons I connected with him so much and why I can look at his films and I can see why some critics don't appreciate what he does but for me Kevin Smith is a really great writer who is a solid filmmaker 
and has made movies that will always be rewatchable to me. Um, I can literally pick any of his first five films, and even Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, which a lot of people hate on, but I can rewatch those any day and have a good time watching them. Um, but yeah, so Clerks is my number one. Well, and the other part, too, is I like how the contractor comes in, and he's totally right, where he has a very similar experience, and he talks about, mm-hmm. well, I understood the risk, but, you know, if the risk and the and the reward depend, it, it totally flows right into Personal politics. Yes, yep. there it is. And, um, yeah, it's I it didn't hit my radar, but you saw what did, so there we are. There it is. Um, and Corey, I know you've seen Clerks, but I, I, I assume it's similar to Mallrats. It's been a while. Yes. That makes me sad, Corey. And aren't like I feel like he does that in every movie. Didn't he direct uh, Zach and Mary? He did. Or, yeah. And yes. don't they like they're referencing things in that movie too? Yeah, um, but to be fair, he did not write that one. Um, oh, but okay. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. I think I do think that's why he was picked though. Uh, I, I think Rogan might have wrote that one with um, with Evan Goldberg or whatever his writing partner is um okay and rogan has a similar sensibility actually with the pop cultural references you could look at most of his films and find um things to re- i mean god this is the end is literally a movie <laughs> about oh. pop culture like it's you know these characters are playing themselves referencing their own you know impact on the pop cultural world so um yeah i, I that's why they worked really well together i think for that movie but all right, um, that's my number one. Corey, you're going to finish this off here. What's your number one? Okay, um, so I, you just, you were just talking about a Michael Stipe, whatever. Um, he is a an executive producer for this movie that I have owned ah. for years, embarrassingly, and just watched oh, it today. No. Yeah, um, it, but it's also produced by Harry Weinstein. Uh-oh. I unfortunately saw that, yeah. Harvey. Um, Harvey. Oh, Harvey. Sorry, Harvey. Sorry, guys. Yeah. He doesn't um, deserve his name to be said correctly, so it's fine. Yeah, but what if there is a, you know, somebody by oh, that okay. name? Yeah. <laughs> like, that guy. It's not his I fault. have the worst luck. So, yeah, oh no. Um, so I watched Velvet Goldmine today, and mm-hmm. I, I didn't realize when I was watching it. Um, okay, so Jonathan Reese Meyer Mayer plays a character that is so obviously based on david bowie like from his like career trajectory you know where he starts and where he's going even um aesthetically like the posters and stuff that are made of him so i went looking when there's another character called jack fairy and i'm like oh my god this guy has to be based off of brian eno and strangely he's not he's based off of um Oh, now I'm forgetting his name. But apparently this was supposed to be originally a biopic about David Bowie. But he hmm. wouldn't sign off on it. Oh. So he had to, like, the writers had to, you know, make it, you know, not based on fact. But it has a really great cast. It has Eddie Izzard, Christian Bale, Tony Collette. And, um, but all throughout it, because it takes place during the 70s and then hops to the 80s, there are references to bands from the 70s that are big then. He like goes to a record store and buys um, the guy's record, Christian Bale's character does, and he pulls out this like old like this newspaper of music, and on the front it has Mick Jagger and Lou Reed and all of these musicians. And then um, later on, 
they're talking about how the public is going to accept glam music because that's not where music has been and they're like well what about all the people that love credence clearwater revival so that's my pick for this one Oh, wow. Because, <laughs> well, wow. when I grew up on Creedence Clearwater Revival, my dad loved them, but he always told me that, you know, when they were first coming out, it was really interesting because all these, everyone thought he was, like, from Louisiana and from these bayous, and he's actually from, like, California, and <laughs> so I thought that that was really interesting, but I just loved everything about this movie. I'm sad that I waited so long to watch it. Um, Ewan McGregor plays Kurt Wilde, who is so obviously based on Iggy Pop. And he even sings a Stooges song, TVI. So, oh, uh, and man. Placebo is in this. And they play a cover of T-Rex's um, 20th Century Boy. I just feel like the whole movie is nuts. Oh, I don't, what's it called again? It is Velvet Goldmine. Man, I don't even, I don't know this movie. That sounds really interesting. It's from 1998, and I originally heard about it because of Michael Stipe's involvement in it, and then I forgot about everyone that was in it. I knew that um, Ewan McGregor and Jonathan Reese, is it my, Mayers, Mayers, I always say his name wrong, but I forgot about everybody else. It's actually, it was pretty interesting. Yeah, I, I like Tony Collette a whole lot too, so, and um, man, what a cast. Yeah, her character is based off of Angie Bowie, David Bowie's first wife. Ah. Yeah. I need to watch it. I know of it. I didn't realize Michael Stipe was involved. I'm guessing it is C-100 films as well. But, um, yeah, it's one to watch. Well, then uh, I think we are at honorable mentions, guys. Uh, Mike, what do you have? All right, I've got a bunch of honorable mentions. I'll try to go quickly so we're not... We're doing pretty good on time, but just about the entirety of Forrest Gump. I feel could have been included. Oh, uh, um, and with that said, speaking of music, I wish I'd thought of it earlier than just now, but just about anything in 24 hour party people, because it traces the rise and fall of factory records. And if that's not chock full of pop culture references, then what is, so there's that. So there's two almost entire films. Um, my original Spaceballs pick was the Oh No Not Again scene, which I think I mentioned. Uh, several from Back to the Future, Jaws 19 reference yep. in part two, the Chuck Berry uh, call from Marvin Berry and Back to the Future, the original. The Frisbee, this was my original number one pick, the Frisbee in Back to the Future 3. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I'm like, yeah, that's a, I really like that one, but the MST3K one bumped that one down. Oh, okay. uh, it's funny. It's funny you mentioned Kiss earlier. The Kiss statues in Days and Confused got me. I thought that was good. I mm. really like that. The really blink if you miss it appearance of a Magic the Gathering poster in the live action The Sorcerer's Apprentice. Oh, yeah. There uh, he. It's I believe when Invasion the Invasion set was coming out, and you can very. Uh, I was I knew it was there, so I was very. Uh, that's really why I wanted to watch the movie to see the Magic the Gathering poster, because when else was that going to make an appearance? And you yeah. know. My, predilection for that and lastly I wanted to include Ghost World because when um, they are at the authentic 50 the mask. restaurant oh. no, no. Uh, we'll just call you Weird Al scene ah. the waiter yeah 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 the Weird Al reference yeah alright um, I'm going to start my honorable mentions off with another Kevin Smith film but not one he wrote um, one he directed Cop Out uh, the opening interrogation sequence with um, 
Tracy Morgan referencing like multiple movie clips. Um, he <laughs> does uh, scar like he breaks into the interrogation room as a like an escaped prisoner and tricks the uh, actual prisoner into spill spilling the beans by quoting various movie references and it it keeps cutting back to uh bruce willis who is his partner who's on the other side of the mirror and he's naming off the movie so as he does the scenes he's like scarface the godfather and then um tracy, <laughs> tracy morgan drops the yippee kaye mother effa and it cuts <laughs> to bruce willis and bruce willis is like i don't know that one and it killed me <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> um because it like especially now knowing how much Bruce Willis was a jerk to Kevin during that movie, that that scene exists because it's really funny. Like that's probably the funniest scene in the whole movie, but I love that scene. Um, Adventures in babysitting, the references to Thor mm-hmm. uh, th- throughout the film. Um, and Guardians. You know, you know who played Thor, right? I don't. In that movie, Vincent D'Onofrio. No freaking way. Are you serious? I'm pretty sure. Dude, I just watched it. I didn't even click. That didn't click. Oh man. That's insane. Um, I'll, I'll verify while you go on, but I just okay. want to throw that in there because it's a very strange. Appearance. Yeah, for sure. Um, Guardians of the Galaxy uh, Volume 2, the Zune, which I don't want to talk about how the Zune ends up, but the <laughs> oh. fact that the Zune's in there. Um, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, uh, Huckleberry Hound, as her name is Clementine, and they do the, oh my darling, oh my darling, oh my darling, Clementine. That, that whole reference. Sorry, I just sang everybody. Um... I have to reference the most recent Black Panther uh, references a, a dead meme where it's, the what are those? Oh lord! Um, uh, the Matrix, Alice in Wonderland, whole uh, metaphor. You know the the White Rabbit and the follow Alice down the rabbit hole. That whole thing. And one Mike that I thought was going to be on your list, so I actually cut it from mine at the beginning of our podcast uh, was Wayne's World. The whole marketing bit. Um, the That's references so to Pizza Hut, uh, Nutrin or Nutrin. Um, there's Reebok, uh, Doritos, like all uh, pop cultural references done in a mocking of product placement that is definitely 100% product placement. So, um, yeah, that, that's those are my honorable mentions. Uh, Corey, what do you got? Okay, um, my idiot brother. I love that they named their dogs after Willie Nelson and Dolly Parton. I love Dolly Parton. Um, Eve's suitcase of books and Only Lovers Left Alive. Uh, she has a book with art from... Jean-Michel Basquiat, and then um, 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 I had one more. Oh, and of course, I've talked about this a lot, but uh, see books. I had so many books on mine. Um, Troy Dreyer, Dreyer answering Lelena's phone as, hello, this is the winter of our discontent by my favorite author, John Steinbeck. Bum, also bum, lost bum. on me when I was younger. <laughs> yes. And that's well. All. Before we completely wrap up, I do want to take a moment and talk about a song I sent you guys on our group chat yesterday, but I, I'm getting the feeling our group chat's not being looked at. So I thought it was a game. Ah, no, it is not. It is a band called um, Bad Wolves, and they've covered the Cranberries Zombies. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's a 2018 cover because they directly reference things that are relevant right now. Like they, It's a cover with oh, some um, adjustments uh, made rad. to make it more modern and it's it's more of like a metal cover and i i love it um it happened to come up on our pandora station last night um and my wife and i were both like kind of flabbergasted that it exists and we didn't know about it and um i didn't even know this band but i am in love with this cover um 
and also I've listened to a couple of their other songs and I'm pretty impressed with the band as a whole but this cover is super strong um it sounds great and I've always I actually uh there was a local band back in like 2006 that I saw in Orlando that did a metal cover of Zombies and I was like man this song was made to be a metal song like it just fits uh, perfect like the even like the tone of the song but also just the rhythm of it like when you you add some screaming and you add a little bit crunchier guitar it it works really really well and uh this this cover isn't quite as heavy as the one i saw from the local band but it's it's fantastic so i just wanted to plug that uh, if you're a music person and you like cover songs especially check out bad wolves take on zombie the cranberry classic um well, I but, thought they were going to have Dolores O'Riordan involved in it, and then her untimely death. I've, oh, that's where, that's where it came up to me, to my attention. But I hadn't listened. It's, it's, it's every time a song comes up, my player, it's like torments me. It's for I know. for some reason her death hit me a lot harder than I realized, and so every time those songs come up, they're very melancholy for me. Well, I apologize for bringing any sadness to your life. Triggered. Right? I do recommend Triggered. recommend the cover. Um, all right, guys, that's our episode for this uh, this week. Um, where can they follow you on the social webs? You can find me at Burke Reviews, Corey. At Corey R Star two R's on the end. Mike. At Server Monkey. And um, we next week's episode will be an interview episode with Alejandro um, Montoya Marin, who is currently on a TV show that is available on the Go90 app or the El Rey network uh, called Rebel Without a Crew. It's the Robert Rodriguez uh, TV series where he has found, after a, an extensive search, five directors um, that he is giving $7,000 and 14 days to make a feature film that they have you know, submitted as a uh, contest of sorts. It's, they're not competing against one another. They're just um, all getting this opportunity and uh, we interviewed um, Alejandro. He's one of the five directors that were selected for the, the show. Um, he It was a great interview. So definitely look forward to you guys getting to hear that. Um, and Alejandro will give his top five movies of all time. And it was a pretty fun episode. Uh, was it not, Corey? It was very awesome. And he said he was listening to, yeah, I think we're going to be music friends. Yeah. Morning. Um, yeah, he, he's a cool guy. And I, I can't wait for you guys to hear that episode. So, um Download the Go90 app and get caught up with this series. I think episode two will drop this past Monday, and the third episode will drop before his episode drops uh, for us. So um, you'll you'll have the opportunity to see three episodes of Rebel Without a Crew um, featuring our friend Alejandro. So nice. Um, you can also, if you like our podcast, please uh, give us a review on iTunes or whatever uh, service you use. Uh, you know, tell your friends about us. Help spread the word about Burke Reviews. I have tons of reviews up at BurkeReviews.com from South by Southwest 2018, as well as the upcoming Tribeca Film Festival. There will be some stuff coming out. And I just saw today, guys, I saw Love, Simon and Unsaid, nope, Unsane, back to back this afternoon before recording this podcast. So yeah, I'll have reviews up of those films by the time you hear this episode. So check out BurkeReviews.com. And guys, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Merci. And keep keep watching movies. Hey everyone, it's John Burke. You know how much I love movies. 
And if you're listening to this podcast, there's a good chance you love movies too. And what we do here at Burke Reviews costs a little bit of money. It doesn't cost a fortune or anything, but none of us are rich. And that's where you come in. You can support BurkeReviews.com by either subscribing to our Patreon, where you can give a set amount to us monthly, a dollar, three dollars, five dollars, and ten dollars. And we're not asking you to just give us your money. You get perks for uh, signing up on our Patreon. You can go over to Patreon.com slash BurkeReviews and see exactly what those perks are. You can go to BurkeReviews.com and click on the Patreon link and it'll take you right there. Um, But if you're not willing to commit to a monthly donation, which we totally understand, there's an option to just donate one time. Uh, If you go to BurkeReviews.com, on the right side of the page, you're going to see a donate button. And through PayPal, you can donate us any amount of money you wish um, for doing that. We will read your name on our uh, the next episode of the podcast, whether it's Burke Reviews Movie Club or Top 5 Movies after the donation is made, um, with uh, our truthful, heartfelt thanks. Um, not to mention that one of the, the perks of being a subscriber is you get um, your name on our website as a uh, supporter of BurkeReviews.com. Um, it's hard to believe it's already been two, in, two years and we're into year three already. Um, you know, we love what we do and we hope you love it too. So... Thanks for listening. Um, Thanks for the support. And back to this podcast.